Happy Sunday, everybody, and welcome back to Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. So let's jump into tonight's show. Um, first up, plus model Precious Lee is the new face of Versace, joining the likes of Kendall Jenner. Um, that one of the first plus size models. I'm so excited that, you know, plus news and fashion continues to um, evolve. Michelle Obama and Kamala Harris wore black designers to the inauguration, which I'm sure you have all seen these wonderful photos. Fantastic contrast to what I was talking about last week with Kamala Harris. And um, I'm going to talk to you about the designers that they were rocking. They looked fantastic. Everybody did kind of like this monochrome look. It was it was great. And it was it was the best. It really was like, I don't know about anybody else, but I think that I watched the inauguration and I just felt kind of like this relief. Like I felt this relief, you know, again, I don't think that we say that um, with the expectation that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are perfect, that they are, you know, the the best across different populations and dis- different, um, you know, economic backgrounds. But I think that this says a lot to um, you know, some of the steps, the baby steps that we're making within our society to be a lot more progressive and open to the, the melting pot that is America. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, Holly Berry says, seeing black women on TV was crucial growing up. She said, my mother was white, so I didn't have those images in my household. So I think this is just another story of how representation matters, even for somebody like Holly Berry. And, you know, who knows if she was not able to see those images if she wasn't able to um, get those reinforcements who knows what we would have wound up with or not wound up with um, nine black women are talking about what embracing stillness truly means even as we move into COVID I think for a lot of us um, really sitting still and re- really reevaluating um, what is going on around us is still kind of a notion that we feel like is a luxury. And um, I think that it's important for us to go into the new year um, reminding ourselves that we deserve to not be doing anything, that taking a rest or taking a couple days does not mean that we take the time to go and do something else. We get so uncomfortable with, um, you know, being still or or not moving around every second. Um, we just don't quite know what to do with ourselves. So I'll be talking about that as well as Miss Amanda Gorman uh, from my first Moving Mountains, who is one of the youngest. No, she is the youngest inaugural poet. Um, so she did her um, poem, The Hill We Climb, at the inauguration. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Jay-Z joins the push to boost minority-owned cannabis businesses, creating $10 million fund for startups. He says, we were the ones most negatively affected by the war on drugs. And last but not least, Michelle Williams addresses a fan who says she needs to hurry and have children. Um, so it was a quick read and... Again, that's just how I'm going to end off the show and tell you to stay on the positive sides of social media because people can be weird. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into the music and we'll be right back.
Spotify to qualify a spot on his side. I cannot modify, ratify. My mama made me apple pies, lullabies, and alibis. The book don't end with Malachi. Devil will win employee of the month by the dozen to one score in three years from the third when he doesn't. My village raised him a child, come through the crib and it's busting. You meet anyone from my city, they gon' say that we cousins. Shabak, Barack, edify. Electrify the enemy like Hedwig till he petrified. Any petty Peter Petter group could get the pesticide. 79th, 79th. I don't believe in science, I believe in signs. Don't believe in signing, I see dollar signs. Color white, collar crime. Good God, the gift of freedom, Hosanna Santa. Invoked and woke up slaves from Southampton to Chatham Manor. My dream girls behind me feel like I'm James Early. The type of worship make Jesus come back a day early. With the faith of a pumpkin, see size mustard seed here. For I will speak noble things as entrusted me. Only righteous, I might just shrug at the skullduggery. I couldn't stand to see another rapper lose custody. Exalt, exalt, glorify. Descend upon the earth with swords and fortify the borders where your shortest lies. I used to hide from God. Duck down in the slums like shh. I was lost in the jungle like Simba after the death of Mufasa. No hog, no meerkat. Akuna Matata by day, but I spent my nighttime fighting with tears back. I prayed and prayed and left messages, but never got no hair back. Or so it seemed. A mustard seed was all I needed to sow a dream. I build the ark to gently, gently roll my boat down Noah's stream. Sometimes the path I took to reach my petty goals was so extreme. I was so far down in the mud, couldn't even let my light shine. But she was always there when I needed to phone a friend or use a lifeline. From a lofty height, we wage war on the poltergeist with the exalted Christ. 
Christ. Spark the dark with a pulse of light. Strike a corpse with a pulse of life. I spit on the title as tidal waves. I spit on the apple and kill a worm. A fire in Cali and swallow a valley for every African village burn. J-Elect would have never made it. Old son of man, old son of man. Who was the angel in revelations with a foot on water and a foot on land? Who was the angel that rode a Harley from the project to the house of parliament? And opened the book in the devil's chamber and put the true name of the Lord on it. Old Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. Come strike this beast with a ball of fire. They poisoned the scriptures and gave us the pictures of false messiahs. It was all a lie. Mystery Babylon tumbling down. Satan's establishment crumbling down. This is the year that I come for the crown. Bury my enemies under the ground. All right, all right, we are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. After walking in the brand's fashion show during Milan Fashion Week last September, Precious Lee is now the newest face for Versace's Spring 2021 line. This is major news, major, major news for plus-size fashion industry. Um, and I think, you know, like for, for there to be representation in such a luxury brand you know this isn't something that we should be surprised by but it is what it is and we are what we are um and i think that you know it's so fantastic that we are making these strides um and the campaign images preciously is shown wearing the vibrant mini dress that she wore during the versace runway show the campaign also stars um hailey bieber and Kendall Jenner. In an official statement about the spring 2021 campaign, Donatella Versace had this to say. With these images, I wanted to portray the modern Medusa, or better, to highlight how her many faces can be drastically different from one another and every woman can actually be Medusa. All of us with our differences and unique characters, we can express ourselves also in the way we decide to dress. The same thing is true for me, of course. We live in a world in which gender differences are no longer important and we have been given a kind of freedom like never before. Let's use it and use it well. Um, Preciously, this is not the first time that she has made, you know, history in regards to fashion news. Um, She was also the first black plus size model featured in a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue ad um, featured in Lane Bryant's hashtag plus is equal campaign in 2016. She also became the first black plus size model to ever appear in American Vogue by appearing in that ad. She was one of the first plus-size models cast for the Versace 2021 runway show, in addition to Alva Claire and Jill Courtleaf. It was a huge milestone for Italian Fashion House, and it was also Lee's debut runway show in Milan. She spoke about the important role she holds in the fashion industry during an interview last year. I came into this industry to uplift and inspire. So doing projects that create more space for people to be themselves and feel good about it is the goal. Breaking ceilings is extremely important to me because I know that I am capable. I want people to know that this world is for everybody. And I think that this is... um. This is important, especially for the ceiling internationally, because, you know, I talk a lot about how the plus size industry is um, expanding because um, at the end of the day, if you just kind of look at the facts and figures, America is is getting is getting bigger. You know, the the standard size is no more um, a, a size four and six like the the typical American is a size 14. Um and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, plus sizes start at a size 14 and go up to, you know, size 32, 36. So, um, you know, 
that is the case in America. That is the case in, you know, our Western society, but that is not necessarily the case in international cultures. Um, the way they eat, the way they prepare their food, the things that are available are completely different from what's available in America and just, you know, different lifestyles that, um, you know, they have in different countries. And you find that, yes, we do have um, larger people in the United States. That's not necessarily true when you get to other countries. So, you know, with them being willing to accept that and being willing to acknowledge that, I think that that's fantastic for their brand one. Because again, like I say all the time, plus size women will spend the money. And if you see you know, images of clothing working and moving and being tangible on a plus size body, you're more likely to purchase it. So I think that, you know, it really is a stride in all different directions, one for the plus size community, but also for different countries to see, um, you know, the evolution of bodies and, and what that means. So shouts to Precious Lee for that. Um, when we come back, I'm going to be talking about the inauguration and the images that you have already seen and probably swooned over and just been super excited about because um, it is happening. Like we are here. It is it is official. We have the first black vice president of the United States and also Joe Biden. Um, so both Vice President Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama rocked black designers for the inauguration. And when we come back, I will tell you more about them. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back. This is DJ Keith Bowen, and you're listening to WFNK Radio. Text your people, they shit. All the problems and your needs if you just Lawyer, doctor, anything if you just You got some questions about some things you just You a king, be the king, you just Got proper comfort for the queens if they Live in favor, see the dream Get your phone, text your people, they shit. So you're in the shadows by yourself You just underwater and not reaching out for help Whoa, only wave you can't get over is your own That tsunami blocking passage to the throne Phone dying, worry how you getting home Isolated and alone Pull up like a Uber, hallelujah Any type of music that'll move you And we don't really care what you're doing We just walk up in the room like Text your people, they should ask Christ. All the problems and your needs if you just ask Christ. Lawyer, doctor, anything if you just ask Christ. You got some questions about some things, you just ask Christ. You a king, he the king, you just ask Christ. A proper comfort for the queens if they ask nice. Live in favor, see the dream if you ask Christ. Get your phone, text your people, they should. So you're in the shadows by yourself. You just underwater and not reaching out for help. Whoa, only wave you can't get over is your own. That tsunami blocking passage to the throne. 
phone die and worry how you getting home. Preparation isolated and alone. Pull up like a Uber, hallelujah. Any type of music that'll move you. And we don't really care what you're doing, we just walk up in the room like. I'm blessed Feel you're in the shadows by yourself You just underwater and not reaching out for help Whoa, only wave you can't get over is your own That tsunami blocking passage to the throne Phone dying, worry how you getting home Preparation isolated and alone Pull up like a Uber, hallelujah Any type of music that'll move I'm blessed I'm blessed I'm blessed Such so wishes make you feel like last. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God is good. It's true. Just like the statement. Look, the sky is blue. All right, all right, we are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. So many people in the fashion world know that having your designs paraded around on some biggest names in entertainment is definitely gold. Um, it's a way to like, you know, increase your brand, increase your name, um, and really cross over into that threshold of fashion. So Sergio Hudson... Uh, Christopher John Rogers and Kirby John Raymond have entered into that threshold as of a few days ago because they were um, on the forefront of uh, the 2021 inauguration for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Let me tell y'all something. Let me just say that black women continue to be the source. You understand? They continue to be the source. They continue to be like, you know... The, the blueprint, like it just kind of is what it is. Um, so Sergio Hudson, originally from South Carolina, the young black brainchild behind his top tier Sergio Hudson designs, has worked with celebrities including Miley Cyrus, Kelly Osbourne, and Pharrell Williams. Additionally, he advanced throughout his extremely competitive industry to emerge a winner when his designs were chosen by singer and fashion icon Rihanna. Um... Christopher John Rogers is a young black and queer rising star who found his New York label in 2016. He was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and studied fashion at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Both of them are making waves as they dress both Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama for the presidential inauguration. The former first lady opted to wear a light plum suit by Sergio Hudson, which featured high waist, wide leg pants, a cozy turtleneck, and a floor length coat, all tied together with a statement making gold hardware belt the description doesn't even do it justice and then when you when you pull it all together i can't even talk like when you pull it all together with the hair y'all michelle obama had she had the she had the big curlers in overnight because the volume the bang, the hair, like it's, it's just, it just sent everybody into a frenzy. It sent us into a place where 
I don't know. I, I don't know that we've been there in a while. Like this is what we needed. This is what we needed to be on on the steps of the Capitol. This is what this is what we needed. Um she accessorized the look with black suede Stuart Weitzman boots, a black crystal rilling face mask, and black leather gloves. And the silk press the silk y'all, the silk press. I'm a natural girl and I don't and, and that's not my lane. But boy. Um, and this isn't the first time that Michelle has wrapped Sergio Hudson. That purple power suit she snatched our edges with in 2019, that was also custom made by Sergio as well. So make sure you're following me on Faith and Fashion 360, the radio show, so you can see both of those pictures. Vice President Kamala Harris wore a Christopher John Rogers ensemble, a calf-length peacoat and matching dress, complete with pearls to symbolize her AKA roots. Rogers is known for having an eye for color and his choice of an iridescent purple for today's inauguration is almost certainly a symbolic one. Mm-mm-mm. Additionally, for the candlelight vigil at the Lincoln Memorial Reflecting Pool to honor of the more than 400,000 lives lost to COVID-19, Harris wore a camel coat, another New York label designed by a young black talent. Pyre Moss's founder, Kirby Jean Raymond, who is a son of Haitian immigrants, gained steam when he transformed his studio into a PPE donation center and provided emergency grants for women and minority-owned small businesses affected by the COVID-19 crisis. (sighs) They snatched wigs. They got my edges together. They took my breath away. They really did. They definitely took my breath away. Um, And again, if you were here with me last week, one of the things that I was talking about was Kamala Harris. So there was that big controversy with her um, being on the cover of Vogue magazine. It was super like played down. I don't know what's happening. And um, fast forward a couple weeks later and somebody was like, "Uh uh-uh. Let me just show y'all what, what what can really happen, what we really can do. And again, I think that this is important because you, you know, we want to kind of stay the course and watch her style evolution evolve. I still feel like it was very Kamala Harris. She didn't look like she was super uncomfortable. It wasn't like a super like glam look but it was it was vice presidential it was powerful she looked like she means business so when you look at these two different women because i think again the um the urge is to compare kamala harris to michelle obama and we can't do that we cannot compare the two of them because they have two different styles um they have two different body types they're two different heights um just the way that they look at fashion are probably completely different um so that 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 purple was fantastic like it just man and black designers at that i'm just i that's it very rarely am i speechless but i am i'm i'm just i'm just a happy girl so I will post those pictures. Make sure you're following me at Faith and Fashion 360, the radio show on Facebook. When we come back, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Miss Holly Berry, who says seeing black women on TV was crucial growing up. She also said my mother was white. So those were things that I was not exposed to. So this is just another story about representation, why it is important, why we need it, and why we need to continue having it. You're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back.
Hallelujah. There is power in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you're searching for, if you can just call on Jesus' name, things are bound to change in your situation. At the great name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord of all the earth. Your name is awesome. Your name is great. Your name is mighty and worthy. Your name is healing and your name is peace. Your name is all I need. Yeah. Yeah. Your name is awesome. Your name is great. Your name is mighty. Your name is mighty and worthy. Your name is healing. Your name is peace. Your name is all. No 
the only name that you need. Just call on him. That name is all we need. <laughs> that name is all we need. All right, all right. We are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. While Holly Berry is the first African-American to win an Academy Award for Best Actress, she recently said it was vital for her to see women who looked like her on TV and in movies growing up. She recently appeared in an upcoming PBS documentary, American Masters, How It Feels to Be Free, which celebrates trailblazing Black female entertainers like Nina Simone, Diane Carroll, Cicely Tyson, Lena Horne, Pam Greer, and Abby Lincoln. Alicia Keys is the executive producer of the the project produced by Yap Films. Halle Berry said in a clip, Growing up, I really struggled to find images of black women or women that I could identify with. Early on, I remember seeing Lena Horne in Stormy Weather. I remember seeing Dorothy Dandridge in Carmen Jones. And then a little after that, I remember seeing Diane Carroll in Julia and that just rearranged me. She continued and said that it was extra special because the women of color she did see played aspiring roles. Seeing Diane Carroll, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You guys know who I'm talking about. She spells it D-I-A-H-A-N-N. Diane, Diane, I feel like it's Diane. I'm going to go look that up. Um, seeing Diane Carroll being the star of a show and playing a mother who was a nurse, who was educated, who was beautiful, just rearranged me and it made me realize I had value and I could turn to every week a woman that looked like who I would aspire to be when I grew up. And that was very, very important, especially because my mother was white. Um. <clears throat> She said, I was a black child being raised by a white woman, so I didn't have those images in my household. Finding them on television and through movies became very, very crucial for me. In September, she said, being the only African-American to win the Best Actress Oscar is one of the biggest heartbreaks. She said, the morning after, I thought, wow, I was chosen to open a door and then to have no one. I questioned Was that an important moment or was it just an important moment for me? I wanted to believe it was so much bigger than me. It felt so much bigger than me, mainly because I knew others should have been there before me and they weren't. And they continue not to be, unfortunately. And I think think as we move forward, we kind of look at those award shows just for kind of what they are. Um, I remember... And at this point, sometimes I can't even remember like which award show it is, if it's the Emmys, the Oscars, the the BT Awards. Like I just I can't I can't keep up. There's just so many of them. But I feel like 
you know, long gone are the days where you get awards because of the projects you put out or for the talents that you have, but more so because how how many headlines you made for the year, how much waves you made, like how much, you know, popularity, notoriety you brought for the year. And I think um, I've definitely stopped looking at the award show as a measure. Um, But I know for, you know, some of our favorite actors and actresses, that kind of is the measure. Like that's what you look at for feeling like, okay, I'm I'm doing something, I'm doing something purposeful with what I'm doing. Um, but I also think that that's a testament to not really looking for the accolades and the hand claps because you could be doing your best worship, you could be doing your best job, you could put forth your best foot and people who really don't understand what that looked like for you will not quite understand. Um, I had this conversation a couple weeks back because I am, I'm on a worship team and I, I've been worshiping probably since I was about nine or 10. Um, I started singing again when I was maybe like 25 after I moved from Jersey. And, um, one of the things that I'm very intentional about is my worship, whether that's in dance, whether that's in singing, I don't, you know, just do those things just for, you know, just, just for, just for giggles. Um, it's important to me. So the way that I do it, the time that I do it, it's all very intentional. And when I say that I glean and lean on God's voice for literally every part of that, um, I probably could stand to take that kind of measure in other areas where I need to, to listen to him more. <clears throat> But one of the conversations that I was having with my husband was, you know, sometimes I feel like there is this pressure to be in the front of that because I am, because I'm singing and because I am singing um, within a group and because other people in that group are doing certain things, there becomes that pressure where people are looking like, okay, well, when are you going to do that? Again, I'm probably... If I do get to that, and if I do wind up doing it, it's not going to be just because I want to placate and make anybody feel better or because I need somebody to understand um, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I just say that to say that, you know, I look at some of these award shows to really be kind of like an arbitrary measure of success. Um, and it just... I don't think it needs to have as much weight as it does because I look sometimes at like the Oscars. I look at at some of the people who win in different categories and I'm like, what? Like there was a time and I've been very, very supportive and spoken out here regarding Meg Thee Stallion um, throughout the year. But I think she she won a lot of awards last year that I was just kind of like, I feel like there were other people in that category who could have gotten that award. But they didn't get the award because she spent a lot of time in headlines for very, very traumatic things. And it was almost like, okay, so had she not been in the spotlight for these things, would she have still gotten those awards? Like, you just kind of wonder. And it, you know, really kind of waters down the message of what some of these award shows are. Um, 
So, you know, I think that that's an important conversation where she's talking about, you know, I know that there were other black women who should have been here before me, but then you just kind of look at the nature of the business. And until, you know, we're able to really do a shifting mindset of that framework on what it means to be in Hollywood, I think that that's just kind of, you know, going to continue, um, you know, but nonetheless, I think it's important to, you know, really look and, and have the images that we need, whether that is, um, you know, black people, whether that's single moms, whether that is um, engineers, whether that's people that you don't necessarily see in your field, all of that is important. It really kind of guides our decisions and framework when we are moving forward in our career paths and deciding you know, what we're doing and what we're not going to do. Um, so when we come back, I'm going to be talking about Miss Whoopi Goldberg, who um, has actually been named the only black woman. She's the only black woman on the list of richest talk show hosts. So this is a problem. This is an issue. I don't understand why. And we're going to talk about it. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back.
Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? Can we make a declaration tonight? Can we make a declaration tonight? You're unchangeable. to WFNKRadio.com. So I will call, so I will call upon 
Right, we are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. So Whoopi Goldberg has been around for nearly, like, she's been around for a minute. Whoopi Goldberg made a very, like, successful, seamless transition into being an actress and now being a talk show host. She comes in at number eight with a net worth of $60 million, but she is the only black woman on the list of richest talk show hosts. Um... She began as a comedian and actor, which afforded her the accolades and career decorations that she's accumulated over the year. Um, and she has been um, a co-host, a lead co-host on The View since 2005. Um, she's one of a handful of people on this planet who can say she's an EGOT winner, which means an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Awards. And yet she still manages to keep her simplistic lifestyle at the forefront. Um, she has managed to to stack over $60 million 
And not only that, since the retirement of billionaire Oprah Winfrey, she is the only black woman to have a hosting purse that large. Um, so there was a list where, you know, we were, ta- they were talking about, um, talk show hosts. Um, and she's number eight and she literally is on, it is like, she's the only black woman there. She's one of 10 hosts listed as the richest to currently hold the title. She earns an annual salary of $8 million a year. My gosh. Like, just what an exorbitant amount of money. I just, just wow. Um, And she has almost 200 entertainment notches to her name. Um, When asked what her biggest money lesson she has learned since building her wealth, she told Black Enterprise, knowing what your money is doing. There was a time when I didn't pay attention and my money disappeared. It's also important to understand how things like taxes are impacting your money. If you make $1 million, that doesn't mean that you're taking $1 million home. Then for me, there's agents, you name it. I had to learn to figure all of that into the equation. She beat out Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon to wrap up the top eight. Stephen Colbert, Kelly Ripa, Conan O'Brien, Sharon Osbourne, Ryan Seacrest, Dr. Phil, and Ellen DeGeneres all round out the remainder of the top 10 lists. Um, So that list could for sure use some more melanin. Um... And I think that that's fantastic because she is in a place of, I I stopped watching The View a very long time ago because after 25 seconds of people just talking over one another and then you watch and you see Whoopi Goldberg, she literally is always like the, all right, let's bring it in guys. (laughs) Like, let's figure this out. Let's make sure everybody's heard. Like she very rarely is like talking over people, but she's in a space with, with a lot of different characters and a lot of different people. So kudos to her her for that. Um, But I think that this is just so interesting because one of the things I talk about, and I actually just mentioned it, was how, you know, sometimes you don't see black people in certain sectors. You don't see them in certain arenas. You don't see them dominate certain spaces. So you know that we'll be in sports. You know that we'll be in beauty. Um, but in, in various areas, we do not like STEM or engineering or, you know, talk show um and we are very heavy in the entertainment business but for people who really kind of dominated that space it's not something that you see so maybe what I'll do is just I'm going to speak that into existence that Brianna Afoto is going to be on that list come 2027 what is that going to make me that'll make me 37 I'm with it I'm gonna do it here we go you heard it here first. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360 when we come back I'm going to be talking about um Miss Amanda Gorman. Miss Amanda Gorman is the youngest poet to be at the uh, inauguration. So I am going to talk about her, talk about the um, poem that she read, um, and just a little bit about her story, um, the original composition, just how she got to that, because she actually spoke about how um, the poem you know, was kind of drawn from different experiences that have happened around her and happened last year. So we're here at Faith and Fashion 360, get into some music, and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
people are dying slowly every day the enemy's trying attacking every way he can we gotta fight we gotta fight we gotta fight you see in this generation materialistic swallow the minds of these innocent children yeah we gotta fight we gotta fight we gotta fight oh you see the fame and the drugs the money the lust the violence the hatred and we must plead the blood of jesus
hip hop heads, house heads, Caribbean heads. D- download the WFNK radio app. Radio app on iTunes and Google Play for all of that. It's your girl, Jacinth Headlam, actress and author of Love After. And guess what? You're listening to Faith and Fashion 360 featuring my girl, Brianna Afosu. Love you, girl. All right, all right. We are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Afosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. So if you watched the inauguration, you saw Amanda Gorman, uh, the inaugural poet for the inauguration. And she is actually... Uh, making history as the youngest known inaugural poet. She's written poems for historic occasions and now she has made history herself. She's 22 years old um, and she became the youngest known inaugural poet when she performed at the 59th presidential inauguration this past Wednesday. She delivered her original composition, The Hill We Climb, at the Capitol in front of President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President's I'm taking the elect out, okay? Because we here. Kamala Harris and the entire nation. Um, She says, it's amazing, especially at my age. No one really gets to say, at 22, I am the inaugural poet. She said she researched the speeches of Abraham Lincoln and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as she began writing. But it was the riots at the Capitol that made a closing impact. And then on the Wednesday in which we saw the insurrection at the Capitol, that was the day that the poem really came to life, and I really put pedal to the metal. Gorman said the riots changed her poem and the message she wanted to deliver. I wanted it to be a message of hope and unity, and I think that Wednesday for me really just underscored how much that was needed, but to not turn a blind eye to the cracks that really need to be filled. Gorman was named the the nation's first youth poet laureate at the age of 19. At 16, she was youth poet laureate of Los Angeles, where she was raised by Joan, a single mother and an English teacher. She said writing became her way to overcome a daunting obstacle. I had a speech impediment, and so I couldn't use my voice. And then I would author my voice on the page. So it's really been a godsend and a lifeline for me, she said. Gorman said poetry and spoken words became her own type of pathology. And so once I arrived at the point in my life in high school where I said, you know what? Writing poems on the page isn't enough for me. I have to give them breath and life. I have to perform them as I am. That was the moment that I was able to grow past my speech impediment. My favorite thing to practice was the song Aaron Burr, Sir, from Hamilton because it is jam-packed with R's. And I said, if I can keep up with Leslie in this track, then I am on my way to being able to say this R in a poem. Wow. Mm. Let me just stop for a second. So I just want to talk a little bit about, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but I want to talk a little bit about that thing you're shying away from because your physical body told you that you could not do it. I um, minister and dance very often. And I was in a space a couple years ago where I um, I met this, this awesome woman. Her name is Annette. Shout out to my sis, Annette. And I watched her dance. 
And when I say that I just got captivated by her ministry, the way that she moved, the way that she's, you know, really related to the song and the, the scriptures of the Lord and, you know, things like that. Um, I couldn't believe that after, you know, she was done ministering and pouring her heart out, that as she walked off of stage, as she finished ministering, that I was watching somebody who limped. You you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, this was somebody, and I mean, she, she could, she could leap more than the rest of them. She could do her spins and her turns. Her flag work is fantastic and untouched. And this was my first time meeting her. And then I walked and like, I'm, I'm just captivated. I'm watching her. My mouth's wide open. I was probably drooling a little bit and she walked away and she was limping. Somebody who was so like brought to perfection in dance. If he put a gift in you, if he put a skill in you, if he put something in you to do. One of the things that I hear all the time is. He does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So we look and we think that the person who is, you know, um, really outgoing and the person who, you know, has all of these skills in the world in singing and dancing and in and, and, and reading and everything else, um, that's the person who's going to be in ministry. That's the person who's going to be at the front. But then he takes somebody who's introverted, who does not like to talk people, and he gives her a platform to speak and reach people in a way that they've never been touched and and able to speak to them in a way that they'll understand God's love. Somebody who gets drained just being around people for, for 10, 15 minutes, and I can just sit and talk and talk and talk to you about things going on in the world and how every single thing that goes on is related to God's love for us and how he will do way past what your mind and your body told you that you can do, what the doctor told you that you can do, what your mom told you you were capable of. There, I, I, I again, maybe for the second time now, speechless. This is somebody who had a speech impediment and stood on the steps of the United States Capitol and used her poetry to speak to a nation. Whatever it is that you are afraid to do, whatever it is you feel like you can't do, whatever your arthritis told you you were, whatever your asthma told you you couldn't do, whatever your sleep apnea told you you couldn't do, Whatever it is, if that is in you and that is where he wants you to be, it's going to happen. Watch as he expands your territory and everything that your heart desires. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about what nine black women have to say about embracing what stillness truly means. As we still kind of barrel through COVID and, you know, have these different things going on, I think that we still get a little bit twisted about what that means when we are talking about just taking a chill pill, relaxing, and not feeling like we always have to be doing something. So um, 
there are a couple black women talking about what the art of doing nothing means to them. And I think it's something that we all need to hear. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back. Boom, boom.
This fight I'm in is not a flesh and blood The weapons that I need are in your love Lord, don't you Hey, this is Tina Dixon, boo, and you're listening to WFNK All Day Sugar. We are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is something that probably hits home for a lot of us as we um, kind of, you know, go through 
what I want to call the rat race of feeling like we always need to be doing something, being somewhere, being in something. Um, And you would think that the culture of COVID would have changed that and shifted that a little bit, but I don't think it has. Um, The art of stillness, the art of doing nothing. Um, For a lot of us, that still feels like a luxury. It still feels like something that we don't deserve to do. It still feels like something that we have to carve out time for or we feel bad doing. Um, I know myself, I have struggled with that, especially being a new mom. Um, You know, when my husband has a baby, it's like, do you need to do something? Want me to take her? He's like, no, like, just chill out. It's cool. And I feel... I feel guilty about that. And I think that this is something that a lot of um, women grapple with, but I think also black women grapple with it also because, um, unfortunately, because of the way things have gone without jumping on a soapbox, but because of the way things have gone, we have taken on the head of the household role in a lot of situations in our homes and taking that time to, you know, get your nails done or taking that time to just watch a movie or taking that time to just sit in the car for 10 minutes and cry um, feels like an abandonment of responsibilities that have been placed on you. So I wanted to just talk about, um, for a couple women, what being still means to them And, um, you know, really kind of taking that me time without it turning into, you know, what feels like toxic behavior, I guess. Um, So the major takeaway that I got from reading this is that it shouldn't be an exit you know, it's not an exit from responsibilities. It's not an exit from life, but it really is trying to find a balance that helps us not get overwhelmed and not fall through, you know, the traps of life. Um, so Dr. Thema Bryant, who is a licensed psychologist and professor at Pepperdine University, she said, indulging in the art of doing nothing is such a radical decision, particularly for women of color, because our worth and value are often associated with our busyness. For the longest time, women of color have been put under this pressure to work hard for everyone else. There's often little attention given to our care, wellness, let alone our needs. So for us to be revolutionary enough to say that those things matter and to choose to do nothing at all during moments of our days and life is a declaration that says I am worthy and I am enough. I don't have anything to prove. She said, I was introduced to stillness by my mother. She's a minister who teaches particularly women of African descent about prayer. A lot of people associate prayer with talking, but it turns out that a major point of prayer is in silence and stillness. It's a sacred rhythm between activity, action, accomplishment, and taking the time to be still, to reconnect, to be grounded, as well as to be filled. To me, the art of doing nothing means slowing down our pace, becoming more aware, operating with gentleness and compassion to ourselves. It's more a way of living than it is an approach to living. It's not something that we're required to schedule or practice during a specific time frame only. It's something that we can decide to do at any given moment. 
As a psychologist, I work a lot with trauma survivors and I notice that people who have gone through very difficult experiences sometimes cope by staying busy. It's their way to prevent their thoughts from taking over their minds. But one thing I know for sure is that busy and distracted don't serve as a definition for healed and unhealed traumas must be addressed at some point. One of the ways to do that is to practice the art of embracing doing nothing. And I think that, you know, that one is um, one of the things that I took from that is sometimes we feel like, okay, I have this, this and this to do. And I'm going to like at 1 p.m., I'm just going to stop and take a moment for myself. So even in us being still or even in us making a conscious decision to um, just take a second for ourselves, we schedule it. And we make it regimented. We make it part of the schedule. And that's not the point of it, right? So sometimes if we're sitting and we're doing something and in that moment, if I feel like this is too much, right there in that second, I can say, I, I, I just need, I need a minute. And I'm going to take that minute. And not always worrying about what that means to the environment around. So I've done that. I've done that at work. I've done that at work. If it's just, if there's too much going on, there's too much stimulus at one time, I'm just like, I'm going to go take a second. I'll be back. Like, I just, I need a minute. Um, The next one here is Amber Janae. She's a professional expert in content strategy and digital marketing. For me, the art of doing nothing is simply being as I am and not feeling any guilt, pressure, or a desire to be anyone or anything other than who I am in the present moment. I believe that women in general should learn to embrace stillness because it's our way to just be. It is a space where we become one with ourselves. It is important to understand that stillness is something that we choose. It does not choose us. Many spend a lot of time ignoring their intuition or that inner nudge guiding them in the direction to pause and just be for a while. When you're ready to discover and connect with the parts of yourself that have remained a mystery, you will make time to be still. To embrace stillness, you also have to let go of the misconception that stillness simply means not moving or staying in one place. You can force yourself not to physically move for days, weeks, and months, but it doesn't guarantee progress is being made. It's not enough to be still. You have to disconnect. The benefits that I've gained from such have been loving and trusting myself more than ever before and not allowing anything to change that. Self-care isn't a one-off thing I do when I'm having a bad day or week. I'm forever intentionally creating a safe space for myself internally and externally. Therefore, I am always practicing a form of self-care. Personally, I don't believe that stillness is scary. There are a few things that I fear and stillness isn't one. Fearing growth, evolving, or becoming better me, which are the things that we embody when we choose to remain still, isn't a natural act to me. In my opinion, if you're actively choosing entrapment, then it more than likely means that you're afraid to face yourself. You live in fear of what awaits you on the other side of self-discovery. You're running from your truth and not ready to embrace, accept, or face the parts of you that need healing. And I think that that almost connects with the other one where she was talking about, um, you know, people kind of going through these different traumas and these different things and their way to cope and their way to deal is 
to just keep themselves moving, to just keep themselves going. And I referenced that a little bit last week too. We get so used to feeling like um, in healing, we just have to muddle through different things. We don't deserve to fully get on the other side of of being healed, of, of moving past certain things that have happened to our li- in our lives, whether they were things we caused or didn't cause. Um, you know, we, we feel like, okay, instead of me working through what I perceive to be anxiety, instead of me working through um, abandonment or friendship issues or my divorce, I feel like, okay, let me just jump into this activity. Let me go do this drastic haircut. Let me go buy a new car. Instead of really going through and processing what that meant at that time, and how you can move on and be better. Um, and last but not least, Tempest Lynn. She's a freelance writer, martial artist, and tarot reader. I learned the true concept of stillness through my journey as a martial artist. I practice American Kempo Karate. My head instructor taught me the principles of meditation and stillness that I currently practice. Typically, when people think of meditation, they imagine themselves being seated in a lotus position and devoid of all thoughts. But that's not what true stillness is to me. It's honestly not realistic, especially in today's culture. Stillness is when your mind is racing, but you're not consumed by those thoughts. It's when something can pop up in your mind and you don't ruminate over it. When you can observe your thoughts and emotions without judgment and just let it yourself be. The practice happens when I'm faced with my not enough story, as my head instructor calls it. This happens when I feel like I'm not learning a form or set of techniques fast enough, or when I do learn it, I feel like I'm doing it all wrong. With that said, even in knowing and experiencing the benefits of stillness, I still struggle to resist escaping my own company. Sometimes the thought of being alone with myself and my thoughts is kind of terrible. Even showing up to karate can be truly a struggle. We normally live in a world that's made of distractions. So being forced to pause and sit with ourselves truly allows our not enough stories to come out and be heard. Then our insecurities become glaringly obvious. I've experienced many existential crises when faced with mine. Being pummeled by your own thoughts can be a bit much. Mine, for example, are like monsters and a lot of the time I just don't want to face them. Eventually, it gets to a point where I can't avoid it anymore, and I have to sit with myself and get realigned and refocused. But that's when I remember to breathe, find one truth in the madness of my thoughts, because our brains lie to us a lot, and stick to it. I would like to grow to a point where taking the necessary time for myself becomes a daily practice, not just something that I do when I'm fed up. If that wasn't just like a reality check for for a lot of us. And I've, you know, I've referenced a lot of different things like that um, throughout 2020 because a lot of us are, we're, we're getting some kind of reality check, right? Because we spend a lot of time being drowned out by work, being drowned out by different social interactions, being drowned out by different people. So when those things were forcibly removed from us, we didn't have any choice but to sit and for me specifically, sit and listen to God, what God was saying to me about the things I need to do, the things I need to stop doing, and the ways that I could be better. And if you're not ready, that could be a very, very harsh self-realization. 
it's, I mean, listen, it is self-awareness in the flesh. So, um, you know, I definitely want to encourage you to just, just do it, just do it and just take a second and not feel guilty about it. We have been raised in this society where we feel like just taking a second is selfish. Saying no is selfish. Creating boundaries is, is too much. And we have to get out of that mindset because we are continuing then to grow humans who do not have healthy boundaries, who feel like, um, you know, maladaptive ways to cope with things are, are, you know, the way to do things. And we just go up and continue to grow really, really unhealthy habits. Um, so I will post that article for you to read. Make sure you're following me on Faith and Fashion 360, the radio show. When we come back, I'm going to end the show off with some moving mountains moments. Um, Jay-Z joins the push to boost minority-owned cannabis businesses, creating $10 million funds for startups. We were the ones most negatively affected by the war on drugs. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back. This is Pastor Bill, and you're listening to WFNK Radio, Northeast Pennsylvania's premium urban radio station. All right, all right. So we are back here at Faith and Fashion 360. This is your host, Brianna Fosu, and we are live here at WFNK Radio. Jay-Z is using his star power to boost minority-owned businesses. According to reports, the 51-year-old rapper, I can't believe Jay-Z's 51. Oh my gosh. He was just outside the Marcy Projects talking about just all the stuff. Man, life comes at you fast. Um, the 51-year-old rapper turned business and music mogul is launching a fund to invest in minority cannabis startups to increase black participation in the industry. He notes that people of color have been disproportionately punished for having the drug, which is now legalized in parts of the country, resulting in a multi-billion dollar industry. Isn't that... Isn't this something? Just crazy. Um, he says, it's really amazing how that can happen. We were the ones hit hardest by the war on drugs and America turned around and turned it into a billion dollar business. Billion dollars. He said, I wanted to do something in a real concrete way where I do my part. The fund stems from the acquisition of two California-based pot firms. The merge companies will start the social equity ventures fund with an initial $10 million and then add at least 2% of its net income each year after that. The fund will invest up to $1 million in each cannabis startup it chooses to back and will be run by Jay-Z. Late last year, Jay-Z launched Monogram, a cannabis brand made in partnership with the California brand Kaliva. Hmm. I'll tell you, life is just shout shouts to Jay Z again for kind of using and 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 I think again to have a complete one eighty moment where you probably were in an environment where a lot of your people were affected by this, and and we know that. Um, you know, black people are disproportionately affected by a lot of things that happen within our justice system. And we look at parallel cases, um, where the races are different and there's a completely different story that's told. Um, and how fantastic is it to have the power to be able to, um, kind of affect and create change 
by using your influence, by using what America has created to again be kind of like a shackle and something that we don't necessarily have access to. I am resisting the urge to jump on a soapbox, but I think that um, in in a lot of different things, in, in a lot of this, I, um, I'm trying to remove myself from saying because I don't want to necessarily sound like I'm stating conspiracies or anything, but I think that um, a lot of different things affect Black people and affect low-income neighborhoods and affect people who don't have those immediate resources to change their environment and don't necessarily have those opportunities that other people get. So it's fantastic to see, um, you know, Jay-Z kind of, you know, helping to create a space where Black people are not present because of previous, you know, shapes that laws have taken. (laughs) I'm trying to be very uh, objective right now. Um, But again, I think it's, it's super important sometimes to, um, you know, create those lanes for us in areas where we're not present. So, you know, just like I was talking about before, there are a lot of spaces that we're not present for for different reasons, for lack of resources, for lack of access, um, just for negative impact when, you know, combining those two things. So I think that, um, again, he's doing a fantastic job in just um, creating that lane and prayerfully this can be, something that becomes more of a positive relationship because again I have seen um and and not necessarily cannabis I think that people definitely should get educated on what that means because it it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm just out here smoking weed um the drug in cannabis can do a lot for healing properties like I have seen it I work in the mental health field And a lot of parents have actually started to turn to the drug within, which is THC in in weed, um, for its ability to help with different brain functions, with um, different um, mental health things. So, you know, it definitely is something that is not as negative as it's always shaped out to be. And probably some of the richest people that you look up to are using the main drugs within cannabis. Um, So it's turned from something um, that has a lot of the times been looked at as recreational to now being something um, that is a moneymaker. You know, America loves the money. But, you know, it also is something that has helps a lot of different ailments and things like that. So shouts to Jay-Z for using his influence to affect change. Um, and I pray that we continue to um, look and see Black people in different spaces and kind of turning what had once been negative into something positive. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Make sure you're following me on Faith and Fashion 360, the radio show. When we come back, I'll be ending off the show with um, 
a moving mountain slash faithful moment slash a reminder a la Miss Michelle Williams, formerly of Destiny's Child. So you're here with me at Faith and Fashion 360. Get into some music and we'll be right back. Yeah. 
This is your girl, Tamika Patton, and you're listening to WFNK All Day. I'm just a man. We follow God's plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. My plan here look like candy. Only one thing that can be Me never come in here with no backup. If I want chance, we get me one seat. Take it down. God. 24 hours, my 
up on my job. Yeah. Like you over time for my father's business Rise above them bars and limits Diligence in all I give it Got no time for the talk and gimmicks To all my critics and all my silly Shot behind my back on my face, them crickets Win ball, I'm a place off with it Me hit like Laura Gill, Siobhan Gwyneth Record, in it I'm on the hook, not a level now Mama, hope you watch him down Told you I'ma make you proud Cause if I'm me, wanna get the code And then tell me if I take it out, me turn it up louder This is your host, Brianna Alfoso, and we are live here at Faith and Fashion 360. I pray that you guys have enjoyed the show this evening. And uh, this last one is really just a reminder. And I and I will continue to say it because I think in everything, um, you have the pros and cons, you have its good sides and its bad sides. And I think that it's important as we continue to move through, um, you know, being in COVID as we kind of move through figuring out which spaces are are the best for ourselves as we figure out um, what we need to spend more time in. We know the the upsides and the downsides of spending too much time in in a space. So Michelle Williams had to address a fan recently who said that she needed to hurry up and have children. And when I say mama left, when she read when she gave it, I was here silently clapping because, again, as I say all the time, social media is weird. Um, Michelle Williams had to correct a fan who told her she needed children. The Destiny's Child singer took time to announce the release of her new book, Checking In, on her Instagram page. In the comments of the video, Michelle Williams got into exchange, an exchange with a fan that told her she was too bored and needed to have kids. They wrote, Michelle, I love you, but you need some children. You are too bored. Michelle replied with laughing emojis, you're an idiot. Seemingly offended. Like how you start with somebody and then get like, what's what's going on? Y'all are bored. Wow, that was uncalled for. Thank you. Michelle Williams had one more message telling the fan it was uncalled for. 
No, what's uncalled for is you telling a woman that she needs to have children. She added, what if that woman can't have children? What if that woman doesn't want children? Watch your mouth and fingers. Don't ever let that come out of your mouth or fingers on a comment section again to anybody. I would have ignored you, but too many people need to stay out of a woman's uterus. Now scram and be blessed. And then the fan went on to apologize. So here's what I'll say. Here is what, here's what I'll say. In all of the information that I've given tonight, one of the most important things that I will say is um, in our isolation, which can be traumatic for a lot of us, one of the things that I think we have to do is figure out um, how some of the ways we are short, which happen because we are flesh, we are made of flesh, and that is already imperfect, how God can intercede in our lives in the ways where we fall short. Because we do, right? We think that sometimes when we say that we fall short or we are not um, adequate in certain areas, we feel like that is the end of the world. And it's not because you're going to make mistakes. You are going to misstep. You are going to falter. That's why he is here. And that's why he's with us. And I think that one of the things we need to do before we go on social media, before we comment on something, before we digest information, we have to figure out Is this something that in my weakness right now, in this space that I'm in right now, if I'm truly being self-aware, is this something that I need to digest? Is this something I need to comment on? Is this something I need to talk about? Is this someone I need to talk about? Is this something I need to answer right now? Because we have found um, a huge deficit in our social lives, I think a lot of people have turned to social media and it's only way to really be Um, connecting with other people and just gotten super mean and not use the medium for the fantastic things that it can do. The free classes that you can take, the, the podcasts that you can start, the, you know, coloring pages that you can go print out and go color and just relax. The internet and social media has been created and has been used so terribly, but I think that there are also such fantastic spaces of it. And I think that um, this could be a lesson for how we can use it better. And I also think it could be a lesson again on how we must be kind always. You never know what somebody is going through. You never know what is happening in someone's environment. Um, And we skip a lot to judgment and we skip a lot to speaking about things that we truly have no idea about. And I want you to resist that urge this week. I want you to resist that urge tonight when you're talking to someone you love um, and you find yourself making a snap judgment about something that you feel like you are entitled to comment on. I want you to be slow to speak. And I think that that will definitely be helpful in understanding the people around us, understanding how to better love the people around us and ultimately how to better love ourselves. So I pray that you guys have enjoyed Faith and Fashion 360 tonight. I pray that you continue to join me week after week. Make sure you stick around for the rest of our Sunday night lineup. We have DJ Rich coming up. um, And make sure you keep it locked here at WFNK for the rest of the evening before you get into the rest of your week. Make sure you're following me at Faith and Fashion 360, the radio show on Facebook. And make sure you join me next week, same time, same place. And as always, happy Sunday and good night.
Shine, I paint nobody no mind. Cause when I was down and out, you came through. And when I had nobody else, I had you. So know that when I ball, you fall too. Know that when I fly, you fly too. And know that when we swag, we swag out. Haters hitting the can till they pass out. Look, this square peg that's trying to fit around hope. Trying to turn gas shoes into home sweet home. With my best against the wall, I had no one. Father, you held me and called me your own. Thank you to you. This is my thank you to you. See all of the things I've been through. All of the things I've been through. See this is my thank you to you. This is my thank you to you. See all of the things I've been through. Hey. This is my thank you. My. Because of your love 